I think a childlike way of approaching your life is healthy because the best of us is the childlike version of us. It's the, the one that's open and generous to possibility, to what could be happening, who notices the things that might not be noticed before, and who sees things in a playful but profound way of, I am on a quest to understand or a quest to disrupt, a quest to chase after the wow that I've, I've felt. And that's an adventure that makes showing up to do the work you're called to do um, worth doing. friends welcome to the wow level life podcast this is a podcast dedicated to exploring the art of living a life brimming with wisdom and wonder i am harris the third and my guests and i will stir your imagination spark your curiosity and take you on a journey toward living a magical life my goal is that through this podcast and the ways that we plan to go deep instead of wide through this unique format that we're experimenting with is that you'll begin to unfurl the wow level life that you were made for, to allow yourself to step into risk and vulnerability and ultimately a life that has you saying wow every single day. Not because it is a perfect life, but because it's a life that leads to the ability to choose joy despite our circumstances because there is indeed magic all around us. We just have to learn how to open our eyes and see it. And this very first conversation is going to help you do just that. Last week, we got curious together in our curiosity episode. We explored a conversation there around the mind of a child and asked some very valuable questions and encouraged you to be pondering them, to open up your mind and your heart to that type of curiosity uh, over the course of the last few days. And in today's episode, we sit down for our first conversation episode. Um, as you heard last week, I sat down with my incredibly talented friend, Brad Montague. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with Brad yet and his work, I told you all about him last week. He's a New York Times bestselling author of multiple books, the award-winning director of the viral media sensation, Kid President. He's a creative consultant, Ultimately, is a believer that we can learn so much from the imagination of kids, also that we can be better grownups. He is the only speaker to grace the stage of our flagship conference for storytellers, which we refer to as Story, for all seven years in a row. He is that inspiring. And in our chat, Brad and I discussed what it looks like to wonder and create space for wild joy and embrace a childlike creativity and sense of adventure and, of course, generous possibility, and how all of that comes oftentimes by learning from children, by listening to children, and drawing some wisdom from the mind of a child. And so I just want to get straight to this conversation because we prepared you for it last week. If you missed that episode, go back and listen to it. It's a short episode, and it's a great primer for this episode and sort of immersing yourself in the theme of this conversation. And then after this conversation next week, we will go into an Afterglow episode where we unpack that and make it tangible. We'll talk more about that before we wrap this episode up. But for now, let's get to the good stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, here's my conversation with Brad Montague. 
so good to be with you, Harris. We're together again, reunited. I know, it's been too long. It's been way too long. I feel like we got spoiled because even if our paths didn't cross at other events that we were speaking at around the country, <laughs> I always knew at least we had this family reunion once a year that we at all got to go we'll to. At least we'll have the story. conference, the story con. We'll get to be together, get to see you, eat food, cause problems. Can I tell everyone a quick story that is my favorite story about you that I think helps people immediately get to the heart and understand why I love you so much? Would that be okay? <laughs> How do you say no to that? <laughs> I think it was story 2019. We were standing backstage. We were playing a highlight reel of the conference experience. <laughs> you and I were going to walk on stage. What were we going to, we were going to, you were going to read some updated rendition of Alice in Wonderland or something. Oh, like yes. That. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. And, but the video is playing and you're like, Harris, you did it again, man. And I was like, did what? And he goes, like, look out there, like, look through the curtain, all those people, like packed house. They were deeply impacted. Some of them were crying during the video. Like we did it. You did it again. And I was like, oh man, Brad, there's still so much to do. Like there's so many problems to solve in the world. And you go, you don't have to solve them all. And I was like, I said, these were my exact words. I said, I know just all the ones that no one else is solving. <laughs> and then you go, you looked at me with these like sad, gentle, loving eyes. And you go, oh, buddy. And then you put your <laughs> arms around me and gave me this huge hug. <laughs> and I started weeping. I just started yeah. weeping. Yeah. Because there was something in that moment, like this experience of compassion where I felt like I felt incredibly seen. Mm -hmm. I also felt really tired mm -hmm. and yet I felt the embrace of a friend. And so I had this, we had this moment together backstage. I don't know if we've ever, I don't, have we ever talked about this? Have I ever retold you that story? No, but I do remember. That experience like had a profound, deep impact on me. Mm. And it, it allowed me, it didn't happen overnight in that moment, but you kickstarted this healing journey where I let go of the weight of the world that I felt like I was trying to carry around by trying to solve all the problems in the world. And it started refining my vision, but it also gave birth to some wonder. It was an experience of awe, it took me straight into an awe state that changed the story I was telling myself about my work, about who I am, about what my responsibility was. Yeah, it deeply impacted me. And it just gives you a glimpse for those listening in, gives us a glimpse into the character of Brad Montague. So welcome to the Wild Little Podcast. How's that for an intro? Wow. <laughs> I'm honored to be here and I'm grateful. And I'm excited. I think anybody who's going to pop in and listen to this, uh, they're in pursuit of wow. So this is a good crowd listening. I'm, I'm all in. Yeah. Well, let's go back to maybe one of your first experiences of wonder. I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. We didn't send you any questions beforehand. But when you think about awe and wonder, what's the earliest memory you have of experiencing something that just felt like real magic to you? Yeah, no, there's so, so that's such a good question. And I mean, one of the first ones that comes to mind is I loved um, to daydream like as a kid. And I have a particular memory of sitting on the window seal of the house, staring at the window. I would pop probably at clouds or bugs or, you know, something. And then realizing my parents were at the door 
concerned. <laughs> like, like, like I realized, you know, that, that moment of wait, that's not a normal look for my friend. They're worried about like, and I think and my mom's like, are, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I think they were so confused. Why is this? Is he, what's he doing? But I was perfectly content. And um, I've thought about that moment a lot of how confusing it is sometimes for us to <laughs> be lost in dreams, but yet how um, healthy and normal that, that is, at least in my experience, it was. Yeah, yeah. It, it reminds me of one of my favorite quotes from Seth Godin. <clears throat> he said that getting comfortable with being confused is a stepping stone on the pathway to becoming wise. Yes, yes, yes. And that, you know, it's one of the things I love when you ask somebody the question, like, tell me time about something that brought you wonder, and you can see them actively seeking for the words, like they can't quite, it's this, and all oh, the waterfall had the sparkle, and they're using poetic language, they use language that... Um, they wouldn't normally use their eyes change their posture to everything. They're trying to convey to you that emotion, but it's inexpressible other than just to go, you know, to like your eyes open, your mouth kind of open. And also what's funny too, is sometimes they're so, the response is so big and wonder filled. And then when they start talking about it, they realize, oh, that was just like, it was just a frog. You know, it really sounds silly <laughs> to tell you this thing about this frog, but that's kind of how it works. That this ordinary, extraordinary is kind of all around and uh, we don't always have eyes to see. And then when we do, it just stuns us. Yeah, so some of it's maybe yeah. self-protection. We realize if we really were, you know, paying attention all the time, it would, we wouldn't move. Yeah. I think in some ways, wonder now feels threatening in a way that a hundred years ago, even it may not have, right? I often think about, you know, obviously as a professional magician, I think about what it would have felt like to be Harry Blackstone or Harry Houdini or, you know, one of these great magicians, for some reason, all the magicians in the golden era, golden age of magic, their first name was always Harry. Uh, I've not thought about that until just this moment. Well, that worked out great for you. You've got part of that. You're like an update to the Harry, your Harry. <laughs> so I've never connected those dots either. I just, yeah. they were missing the S. That's all it was. They needed to add an S. <laughs> yeah. But, but like, if you talk to a magician today, like if I text a, a magic buddy, I'm like, hey man, how'd it go tonight? If I know they had a gig or a magic show. Be like, oh man, it was great. Reactions are great, but like, man, after the show, audience just wore me out with all these questions. And you could probably guess what those questions are. It's usually, how did you do that? Hey, was there a thread, or did you use this? Uh, and there is just like an obsession with trying to figure it out. And I think it's because we live in not just the information age, but we have such rapid access to seemingly the secret of anything. We live in what feels like an age of abundance of certainty. And that's, I think, I talk about this a lot, that that's sort of psychologically reconditioned us in ways we don't understand to feel really uncomfortable with wonder and mystery. So I think 100 years ago, I doubt, like, because if you read the journals or diaries of these famous magicians, none of them vented to each other <laughs> in their letters to each other about the audience driving them nuts by trying to figure out the secrets. They were just like, yeah, like tonight's audience was in awe. They were totally amazed. And I think that's because magic didn't just happen in theaters back then. They probably walked out of the theater after the show and 
saw a car driving down the street and they're like, what's that? There's horses. And then there's little, little magic boxes that are moving without horses. Or they would hold these little devices up to their ears and their mouths and they would talk into them and they could talk to someone who was not even in the same city as they were. And so there were all these experiences that they were like, wow, well, they couldn't get off the telephone and go Google the secret of how the telephone worked. And so I think like magic was just a part of the human experience. But if you think about the idea of us being reconditioned to feel like we have access to anything, well, then no wonder mystery feels so uncomfortable, which means when we come in contact with it, if there's something that leaves us in awe or wonder that we can't explain, we have this desire to crush that wonder, to get rid of that uncomfortable feeling so that we feel like we understand what's going on. We feel less threatened by it. Do you relate to that feeling? Either as a kid or as an adult, is there an experience where you're just like, Uh oh, mystery. I don't like this feeling. I need to get rid of this wonder. Or do you find yourself mastering the art of wonder where it's like, oh, no, it's so easy. I just go, oh, wow, that's so cool. And I don't feel the need to understand. Yeah, no. um, So there's, well, we saw an amazing show on Broadway with with our kids. And um, it's one of those like movie turned into a musical, which I was already kind of cynical about. Like, uh, you know, this, I, I, you know, but, like my kids were so into it. And this will give away what the show was because there's this flying car, DeLorean. Uh, <laughs> that they have. And um, I love Back to the Future as a kid and love it now. And then there was this moment where the DeLorean flew and I lost it. I just... I'm sure there's some way in which they pulled it off that makes sense to somebody else. But I was just, and my kids asked me, how do they do that? And I was just going, I I don't want to look it up on YouTube. We're not going to, it's not allowed. Let us just enjoy this because the whole family, we were just going, I felt like it was possible to travel through time (laughs) in a car. And um, I think for me, that feeling of awe, of wonder, is is something we sometimes have to fight for. It's a thing I long for. And they can create other emotions for us in a lab. Like they can create situations that would make you anxious, you know, just by the architecture or by um, the way that things are set up. They can, you know, in a lab, make you afraid, make you feel sorry for something. They can show you, you know, that, but they cannot predict what will make you pay attention and be in awe. Like they can't mm. manufacture wonder. Um, there's something else to it. I long for that. And, and I think try to create the kinds of circumstances in the work I do that it's birthed from wonder and that in some way it's going to transmit those kinds of emotions, the kinds of love and hope I feel as I'm writing a picture book that even though they're just 32 pages and some images that somehow as an adult's reading it to the child or the child's reading it to themselves, or they're just looking at the pictures and pointing that all the ways that I can't control how that story is being told or communicated, that there's still this space where wonder can happen, where the, those can be felt. And that's fun to me. <laughs> and, and the mystery of it is, is what um, keeps me coming back. Yeah. I think you said something key there. You said, that's fun to me on the heels of talking about something that's often out of your control. Oh, yeah. And I think as we have these conversations, 
I think there's going to be some attributes that start to reveal themselves as sort of components of a wow level life. And I think you just hit on one of them, which is somehow, despite human nature, it is possible, it's within the realm of possibility to get comfortable with uncertainty, to be okay and to find fun and joy, even in the things that are out of our control. How do we do that? More specifically, how do you do that? Teach me and teach all of us. <laughs> how do I go, oh no, this is completely outside of my control. Yay. <laughs> this is going to be fun. Yeah, I know. Uh, we all know what it's like to think something's going to go one way and it not. There's a, a phrase I keep close to me that says, there is no certainty, only adventure. And... Um, Mm. Uh, there's a certain way of like approaching life as an, an adventure that um, kind of gives you this posture of possibility of, yes, I'm going to embark on this in a playful way, but also yes. there's a purpose behind it. And so as silly and childish as that might seem to some, I think a childlike way of approaching your life is healthy because the best of us is the childlike version of us. It's the, the one that's open and generous to possibility, to what could be happening, who notices the things that might not be noticed before, and who sees things in a playful but profound way of, I am on a quest to understand or a quest to disrupt, a quest to chase after the wow that I've, I've felt. And that's an adventure that makes showing up to do the work you're called to do um, worth doing. It's so good. What you're talking about, I think of as curiosity. I think curiosity is wonder in action. It's kind of the state of wonder becoming a verb. And I think that curiosity allows us to lean in and choose that adventure over the certainty, to choose the mystery over what we feel like we know without question. It allows us to lean into the journey and recognize that there's as much magic on the journey up the mountain to be seen as there is at the mountaintop. Don't get me wrong, there's magic at the top. The view is gorgeous at the top of a mountain. Um, but then we miss all of the plants and the streams and the animals and the wildlife and the nature. The, it's, it's all there. And sometimes I think we are so quick to get to the metaphorical top of the mountain that we miss all the magic that is along the way. And there's magic in both places. And so I, th I really think it is the journey and not the destination. And every journey is going to be filled with uncertainty and mystery. All this is very, just to know, all this is very easy to say. <laughs> and, and much yes, harder and to really show hard to up do. when you're exhausted. And, yes. and for me, that has been uh, a bit of where my antenna come in place, where I start realizing that this is a sign to me that, I need rest or I need community. I need people that I'm not feeling the wow, the wonder, this, I'm not noticing the things I did before. And um, that has become very helpful for me to kind of remember and to hold close. Yes. If, if you treat it like an adventure and you start to realize, oh, I need some things, not just in my backpack, but I need shipmates. I need people who are going to be yes. part of this with me to help me keep going. Yeah. I think so many times it's easy to roll our eyes 
when it's like, well, that's easy to say, but hard to live. And that's how those ideas become cliche. Yeah. But labeling something that's genuinely true as quote unquote cliche is oftentimes just cynicism. And it's like, oh, I'm scared that that might be true. Cynicism, uh, I think, is just fear posing as confidence. Uh, as our friend Bob Goff says, right? If cynicism is fear posing as confidence, yeah. well, then we can't look at the thing that's like, oh, that's so cliche, which is really just, uh, I hope that's not true <laughs> because here's what that would mean for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally, mm-hmm. 100%. But you you said something else there that I think is key and you kept using this word childlike, right? And as kids, I don't think we needed as much certainty. There's certainly things that we believed in as kids or even like, went along with, even though we didn't know it was going to work. I was joking around the other day about how, like, I'm legit surprised I didn't die as a kid on my bike, on some of the bike ramps that we built in the middle of the street in my hometown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you do that kind of stuff? We- <laughs> you did a huffy, you have like a little huffy doing the tricks and yeah, stuff. Yeah, man. And the biggest log we could possibly find Roll it out in the middle of the street, get a big, that huge, logs, like, two by something. Yeah. yeah. Nails coming Put it down on there, this yeah. giant ramp, and then, like, try to push it. Like, we would get behind each other and run down the hill with our hands on each other's backs, trying to get more momentum as we started our bike. Yeah, this sounds like a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Totally. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think we had any thought at all to the outcome. It was all about the adventure all about the adventure. And one of the reasons I was really excited to sit down with you and and be like, I get, I get to have Brad Montague as episode one of the Wild Level Life podcast is because I genuinely believe that so much of what we need in today's world, as the amazing Fred Rogers says, in a, in a culture that's really obsessed with information instead of wonder and how we need a lot more wonder in our lives. I think as kids, we just played that wonder became a part of our lives. It didn't become a part of our lives. It was our natural state. We came into the world wide awake to wonder. Mm -hmm. And as Socrates once said, wisdom begins in wonder. And so Mm -hmm. I think my obsession with wonder didn't come just from being a professional magician and like kind of the tension I was feeling of modern audiences becoming more obsessed with knowing than appreciating the beauty of a mystery. My obsession with wonder came to me by way of an obsession with wisdom. And that obsession hasn't existed my entire life. Somewhere along the way, I realized, oh no, I'm getting older. And the older I got, the more I started craving wisdom. And I thought, well, gosh, if he's right, if wisdom begins in wonder, but wonder came easily to me as a kid, then I need to go tap back into that child likeness. And so something I'd love to talk about with you is you're so amazing at working with kids, but not just for the sake of influencing kids, but because of how you recognize the way that kids have the power to influence us and bring mm-hmm. out the most beautiful, healthiest part of us. Mm-hmm. So let's just start there. Before we dig into a lot of the how we do some of this stuff and the principles that you feel like those kids can teach us, let's just start with like, why kids? What wow do you see kids have? Why are you so drawn to them? Why have you built today an entire career of elevating the voices of kids from Single kids like you, president, to entire classrooms and school systems and nations of kids. Yeah, Why? the thing I've been learning is that we need each other, that children need healthy grownups and grownups need children in, in a way that we learn and grow alongside each other uh, in different parts of our journey. And um, 
you know, I've got my own children that I adore. And then I spend time in classrooms and spend time camps and hospitals and lots of different settings and lots of different circumstances the children are in. But there's a thread throughout that they pull me back to the most playful version of myself, the reconnection to wild joy and fun and and they're curious critters who care about not just the, the basic information of my name and age. They don't, they rarely, sometimes don't even care what my name is. They don't ask what I do for a living. They want to know my favorite color, dinosaur, um, if I've ever seen them do this. And then they do some very odd dance move or something. Like there's this whole <laughs> other thing. It's like the tapping into a frequency that is happening and ongoing that, that uh, you change the station and suddenly you're like, oh, there's a whole world of wonderful things happening. So I went on a, you know, a project where uh, I listened to th- kids in um, all 50 states, third, fourth, and fifth graders, and I would pose a few questions and then just sit back and get their responses. Um, and that hasn't really stopped. Um, I write books, you know, and I get to share them, but really it's so I can hear from them of what this sparks for them or what, what that brings to mind for them. I, I actually love like question and answer time uh, at the end of like a time with the class because they will ask and pose lots of questions to me. But really, it's just a question they already have the answer to and they want to tell me, like, you know, if it's what's my favorite Pokemon, you know, I'll tell them. And then they're like, well, actually, I want to tell you about mine. And then, you know, so I love getting to just bounce that back and hear from them. I love summer camp. I went to camp as a kid. My wife and I got married at the camp we met at when we were kids. Wow. It's a special part of our life. But I went to this camp director's conference and there's this man who's retiring. He had directed summer camp for all these years and he was, uh, he directed a, a Jewish summer camp. And so he was telling me uh, about why he does the work he did with children and how it made him a really great adult. And he said, there's an old Hebrew tale. Do you know the story about why our lips are like this under our noses? And he said, that's because right before a baby is born, an angel tells them all the secrets of the universe and then tells them, don't tell anybody and slaps their mouth so they can't release it. (laughs) And so when they arrive here, these little babies, they're closest to knowing all the secrets of the universe, but they can't communicate it. So that's why they cry. And he said, so... I love spending time with children, he said, because they still remember some of some of uh, that knowledge. And a lot of their time uh, and our time on Earth is to uh, reconnect with something we already know to be true and good and beautiful and joyful. And it was such a like lovely unpacking of what happens uh, when you reconnect with um, your own child within and the children around you and um, what it had done to him. So like seeing him, this older male who was uh, at the end of his career and I was just beginning a career um, and working with children and working at camps. And, and I saw him surrounded by people who he had, you know, helped raise up and played with. And he was so full of life. He wasn't, uh, he had done a lot. He should be exhausted 
but instead he he you know he had this kind of childlike energy and uh, i thought well that's that gives me a bit of a north star of how how yeah. to participate in the ongoing playful goodness in this world wow wow that's so amazing i'm going to retell that story probably a thousand times in the next Beautiful. few years it's so incredible and so what are do you feel now that you've spent time with thousands of kids maybe hundreds of thousands of kids by way of the projects that you've put in the world, which I also want to talk about if we could find the time. But as we grow up, I think some of those little babies break those rules. <laughs> Despite the fact that we have this little mark and someone said, shh, don't tell the secrets of the universe. Some kids do. And so what are the secrets, some of the secrets that are top of mind for you that you're hearing from kids that we need to know as adults? pass some of their wisdom along to us? You know, I've learned to operate uh, from a place of, of really acknowledging the nobility of children and respecting that. And so in speaking to them, finding a question that respects that humanity. And what I find is that they respond accordingly <laughs> and they will open up to share something so incredible about what they've noticed around them and sometimes it's about me and it will embarrass me <laughs> and sometimes it's about uh they're truth tellers in that way and yet they are there's no malice there it's just truth and it's there and they acknowledge it and want to play with that I have seen as well, and this is what gives me, I'm a stubborn optimist, Harris. And it's because when you spend time with children, yes, there are things that they do that are um, loud and disruptive and they can be mean and they can be hurtful. But a healthy child um, and one that has everything they need and they realize they're respected and all of that. One of the things I'm noticing in them that I do not see in us former kids is that they understand community in a level that and long for community. When we look at you know social media dividing our attention and feeding anger and, and all of that 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 can do. One of the things that's, that's interesting, and I may have told you this story, but I was working with them uh, writing scripts for this children's media company. They do a whole lot of media in the world and they do research on kids and they were studying kind of what they wanted in stories. And uh, as they were looking at that, like wish fulfillment, uh, wish fulfillment when um, I was a kid was... Uh, shows like Silver Spoons where there's a kid with a big house and, and um, a train going through his living room. or uh, And that kind of continued. <laughs> it was a big school. There's like all these kinds of things that money and yeah. having toys. And Wish Fulfillment kind of evolves over time. So they always want to study. And um, Wish Fulfillment for kids now, when they were interviewing them, was they were confused by the answers because it was basically very simple. It's like a long table with a whole bunch of people at it, but they're not family, but they like treat each other like family. They don't look like they belong together, but they're together and they're fine with it. And so like 
they would show them a previously very popular property like um, High School Musical, and they were so confused. They're going, wait, why doesn't he just play basketball and do the play? <laughs> and it doesn't make sense. Like they should all be. And so, you know, fast forward and Disney redoes it as a bunch of people who don't look like they belong together, but they're doing a play of high school musical together. Um, you see things like Avengers, you see things like where it's a whole bunch of people from different, but that's kind of the story they long for. And wow. so I'm seeing that as well take place in, in kinds of the things that children talk about when I say the world would be more awesome if blank, tell me, and they can tell me anything. And sometimes it's really silly and really like ridiculous, you know, like um, everything's made of ice cream or whatever. But then when they really start talking about the world would be more awesome if it's stories of a bunch of people together. And a lot of times there's food involved. A lot of times there's dancing, a lot of times, you know, and I think that um, if that's what they're longing for, which there's a certain sadness because they're going, that doesn't exist. There's also a whole lot of hope because that means that they're going to create it. <laughs> and so my hope is that we remain um, in communication with those as former children, with those children, that we can create that world together where there's long tables and a whole bunch of people at it that don't look like they belong together, but we know they do. That's so good. Yeah. So good. When I think about these kids and this childlikeness and the wisdom that we have to gain from them, it just makes me long for a reality and world in which they grow up with that wonder still intact yeah, without yeah. the wisdom of our childhood fading and us having to spend the rest of our lives trying to find a way to get back to it again. And I think that's because our wonder often gets wounded. And mm -hmm. so whether it's an experience that you've had personally and you want to be vulnerable about that, or you're just like, uh, this is what I'm noticing that is wounding the wonder of kids. Uh, let's talk for just a second about wonder wounds. What what are you seeing or what have you experienced that is most commonly wounding our wonder, which is one of the things that's getting in the way of all of us listening and living what I would consider a wild level life? Yeah. Um, one of uh, my writing mentors broke down story structure. I was really struggling with um, a script and, he broke down story structure as um, enchantment, where it begins with everything's good, and then disenchantment, where everything falls apart, and mm -hmm. where everything's challenged. And then he said, but there's, you know, in the stories we love, and there's this other part, re-enchantment, that you, you come to. And as I embarked on listening to children more, there was this phase of total enchantment with, oh, wow, they're so great and sweet. No, oh, these are funny. And, and that kids say the darndest things kind of attitude. And then there's this disenchantment that hit very quickly because the more time I spent at a school or with uh, students or with a, at a camp, the more I began to realize what all they're carrying or going through, that they're seeing things no person should have to see, much less an eight-year-old, and that there's so much that they've gone through, and it's devastating, heartbreaking, traumatic. And you like start looking at the statistics and all that stuff of what that means for them and their development, what that's going to do for them, and just it's a lot. And a thing, though, that has given me a re-enchantment with all of that 
one of my friends, Dr. Junlei Lee, who works at Harvard and he works at the Fred Rogers Center, he pointed me towards this new work that's happening within um, in pediatrics around, you know, we've looked at children's respiratory health and their digestive health. And they're noticing more and more that the thing that affects all of their health is their relational health. And this is transforming everything for how they affect children, how they're looking at the lives of children. They're going, who is in their lives? What healthy relationships exist? And um, that can tell us a lot more about them. So even if they've been through terrible things, if they have just a few trusted adults to guide them through it, it's going to be really incredible for them. They're okay. And the same is true for not just children, but all of us, that the, the way through is, is relationships. And so when I say that we matter to each other, children and kids, and kids to children, it's, it's human to human, all of us, that, that somehow yeah. we're so connected that our health it literally depends on it. And so uh, that helps me see that I'm in awe when you talk about the starts with wow. I, I am in awe of how much we matter to each other and, and the fact that yes. it, it matters so deeply that it even has to do with how I breathe and move. Yeah. So perhaps our connection with each other, our relationships can both be a source of wonder or if not paid attention to or invested in or kept and maintained as healthy can also wound our wonder. Yes. It's such a powerful reminder. No matter what wound is there, whatever you've tried and failed or just, you know, all of that, that, that um, there is still hope to work through, to come through the other side in a re-enchanted way. There's something really good. Yes. There's a thing I started with, uh, at Story a few years ago. We did the first one of Failabration. Uh, nope. And uh, and that has grown far beyond what I ever imagined uh, where people have started throwing their own parties. And essentially all it is is a bunch of people coming together. It's like a Ted talk, but terrible uh, where they share something that did not go right. That was a fiasco. That was just painful, but we share it and everybody gets a standing ovation at the end and we cheer. And, you know, the first one was so funny, but also profound because there were tears and, and people were like, this, I haven't felt this in a group in a while and I haven't laughed this hard or felt this connected. And that's kind of the way through. It was like opening up about failure and what we've been through, what we've learned from each other. It's just this big bonfire of belonging going, yeah, I did this and it hurt. Yeah, me too. And, oh, I won't do that. Uh, I did one 5,000 educators in a conference room this big conference hall and they all shared, you know, what they had been through, how they had failed a student or failed a coworker. And again, laughs, tears, we did it with pediatricians we've done it in classrooms with kids. And I think having a safe place to go, yeah, that I was wounded. It hurt. Yeah. Yeah. But together we can see it through. Yeah. And that's a part of the healing is coming back together mm-hmm. and discussing that together. Uh, and you've done such a great job of that. You have brought people together throughout your entire body of work. It's almost like it's one of the things that's baked into everything you do. It's like, hey, I'm trying to share this point of view. I'm trying to tell the story. I'm trying to express these values. But man, let's also bring people together around this idea. You've done it so beautifully, whether it's through Kid President or Socktober. I think that thread runs throughout everything that you do. 
when you think about the kid president days, one of the things, or the ideas that kind of came out of that, that has found its way into seemingly every corner of the internet is this idea of being who we needed when we were younger. Mm. And mm. so when you say be who you needed when you were younger, is that to ourselves? Is that to others? Is that to both? Mm. Unpack that idea for us briefly. That grew, That's grown out of a place of, I love seeing where that takes people when I present them with that. Like, what does that do for you? Because it, it immediately brings to mind either somebody they had and that they begin to realize, oh, so much of what I do is because of this person, or it brings up somebody they didn't have. And they begin to realize that that longing generated this sort of purpose within their work and that the best of what they do is comes from a place of understanding what it feels like to not have that. And with, in my own work, so much of it comes from feeling, you know, like I wasn't enough and I didn't have enough. And I had a fourth grade teacher that told me I was creative and uh, helped me feel what it feels like to see, be valued. And then to bring people along that, I, again, wanted to be around people, but didn't have yeah. this sort of meaningful thing. So, so it, it, it really leads you to a place of reflection or reaction, but I think it also gives us some insight into where we've been and where we'd like others to go, how we can create something beautiful for the people in our path going forward. And um, some people totally like in the comments online when the, the image gets posted, they, they take it in totally wild directions of like, Oh, I needed a dad. I didn't have, you know, what am I supposed to do? And, and um, I always want them to then go, yeah, well, I know you're joking, but actually, yeah, like you, you can heal that and you can help others heal. Uh, and so I, yeah. I've learned that's kind of the way of, of, growing is that we grow and we help others grow. We heal and help others heal. We fly and help others fly. We're not doing it alone. We, we come through to, to the wow. That's amazing. I have thousands of questions I could ask you, but we don't have time for that. And so two, if I had to just dial it down to two questions, uh, those two questions are this. One, out of your entire body of work, for someone listening and going, wow, I think getting more in touch with the work that Brad's putting out into the world and how he's connecting with children might help me step into living a more wow level life. What resource would you point them to? Where's the best place to dive into what you're working on? I um, uh, try to share things online. I have a, a newsletter that goes out that's called The Enthusiast. And it's a, a weekly journey of trying to... Um, reflect on on the things that spark my stubborn optimism and rebellious <laughs> joy. Instead of focusing on what makes me angry or fearful, it's about, oh, I love this and I want more of this in the world. So it's being an enthusiast of things and people. Um, so that's available. And um, I have picture books. We have a new one coming out in the fall, but the latest one is uh, the Fantastic Bureau of Imagination. And um it's been super fun seeing what that sparks for kids and former kids. Yeah. Well, my kids love it. But also before I even read it to my kids, the moment that we buy your books and they come in the mail, 
we immediately open them and I read them myself uh, and I find myself enjoying them just as much as my kids do. So, uh, so man, you so. are a magical, a magical human being. Uh, we love everything that you're doing and, and have done. So if you're listening in and you're like, this is good, I'm not familiar with Brad, familiarize yourself with Brad's entire body of work. It will absolutely be a resource for you as you pursue the wild level life that's available to us all. And Brad, in closing, there's some people who heard me say a phrase like that, the wild level life that is, quote, available to us all. And wild level is a concept that just might feel a little bit too out of reach. So maybe take this last minute or two and say what you would want to say to someone if they were sitting at a table across from you and they're like, I'm just not feeling the wow today, Brad. What do I do? How do we get them off the fence? I'll say what I've tried to say to myself many times in the mirror. (laughs) Somehow I know something happened and maybe you forgot this, but wow, you're here. Pretty wild. (laughs) So if you're going to have the audacity to show up and be here on a planet that's a spinning rock, let's do something good (laughs) with it. And the first step is just to go, you know what? It's pretty amazing I'm here. (laughs) And maybe I can remind other people they're pretty amazing too. And um, let's see where that grows. I think it would lead somewhere pretty wonderful. I don't think much more needs to be said than that. Wise words, my friend. I appreciate you. So good to see you. I love you. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for the work you do. But I'm also just grateful for you, the human, and the way that you show up in the world and inspire so many of us. Please keep wondering. It's a gift to us all. Wow. Just wow. Hopefully, if you don't know Brad, you are beginning to understand why I love him so much. Brad never ceases to amaze me with his just unique, incredible ability to take us back to the times when we were less resistant, right? We are more awake to wonder and had the world at our fingertips. It's probably the reason that I love spending time with him and his brilliance. It really sets the stage for the magic that can be found in a wow level life. I hope you took as many notes as I did. I have actual notes from our conversation, especially as it relates to what it looks like to integrate space into our everyday practices and interactions that are full of generous possibility and adventures that are just waiting to be unleashed if we just choose to embark on them. And here's the exciting part. This conversation isn't over. A wild level life needs time to simmer and settle so that we can really immerse ourselves in what it takes to achieve it. So in our next episode, I'm going to sit down with a surprise co-host and we're going to talk about some of the stuff that Brad talked about, but not just unpack it or repeat it, We are going to continue the conversation into what it looks like when it's integrated into our life in some really tactical ways, in ways that have changed my life, in ways that have shifted my work and even shifted the way we live as a family. Uh, My co-host and I, this is going to be a hint for some of you, we have been business partners for over 20 years and we've learned a lot about the pursuit of a wild level life together about what it looks like, about what it requires. Trust me when I say you don't want to miss next week's episode. For now, I hope that Brad's stories in this episode and the questions we asked and the inspiration from a young lady named Anne Frank 
I hope that together, these first two episodes have inspired you to take bold and courageous steps towards the wow level life that is available to you by getting curious about the perspective and wisdom of a child. And if you're on a mission to live the life that you want, filled with work you love, so that you move toward a story that makes you say wow every day, please join us by subscribing now. If you're watching, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. If you're listening in, whatever platform you're listening to a podcast on, go ahead and subscribe. I know you hear that all the time from podcast hosts, but but really, like, take a moment to go ahead and do it now. Go ahead and subscribe now so you don't miss a single moment of magic. Uh, because armed with each other, we are going to work to heal your wounded wonder. The goal is to unleash your creative spirit. I want to set your soul on fire. So thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for your ratings and reviews. They mean the world and they help so much in helping us get this new podcast off the ground, especially as we experiment with this new format. We appreciate you. I can't wait to talk to you again next week. In the meantime, I'm your host, Harris III, and I can't wait to live wow-level lives together. <laughs>